No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Good morning and happy February. I am so excited that January is over. My January wasn't necessarily bad. I did some fun things, but it did just feel kind of long. And so I'm really excited to have a new month and a shorter month. This week, I'm going to Paris with my aunt for a work trip. And so I'm really excited about that. And I've been trying a little experiment to see if I can beat jet lag by, I guess, essentially having pre-jet lag before the trip. I've been trying to like gradually shift my schedule to line up to kind of what I will probably be doing while I'm in France. And so I've been going to bed early and getting up really early. And kind of my thought process is as long as I sleep enough each night, I don't think that this can backfire. I think that it could not work, but I don't think that it could make things worse. And so we'll see if this is like a successful little hack or if I just made my life really funky for a week or so for no reason. I will say though, this is the most motivated and successful that I've gone to bed early, like gone to bed at a reasonable time in a row and then gotten up early because usually I make plans to get up early and then my alarm goes off and then I think I'm not in school anymore and I just go back to bed. But since it's for like a trip, I'm like, no, you can do this. You can wake up, you can get moving. So if nothing else, I think this is encouraging me to do something that I would absolutely never do. I just really don't feel the need to get up super early now that I just work and I'm not going to class or anything like that. So in light of the trip, I'm pre-recording some episodes and batch recording some episodes. So you'll have this episode and then ideally there should be two episodes that are ready to go. So I'm assuming my intros will be kind of boring, like not very exciting, probably not going to think of super cool things to tell you in between recording each one, but the episodes will be there and you'll be able to listen to them. And so that's all that really matters. It is so fun to be back. I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode as much as I did. I am really looking forward to Becca and Sid having the second season of their podcast start and getting to listen to more of their guests. In the meantime, though, I am on the lookout for podcast recommendations. I have a few things that I've really enjoyed listening to that I've essentially listened to all of the back catalog for our maintenance phase and you're wrong about if books could kill and five to four. I have loved all of these podcasts. I've listened to the back catalogs and I just want something else to listen to that kind of feels like these shows. Even if the topics were different, I would love something that just kind of had the conversational vibe of these that you kind of learned something new about a topic you maybe weren't familiar with or maybe something you thought you knew about that you are not correct about. So if you have recommendations, you can send them to me on Instagram. I would greatly appreciate that. 
I'm a huge podcast person and a huge book person. And for some reason this past week, I've like not been filling audiobooks or podcasts, which is kind of sad for me. I have to like sit with my own thoughts because there's nothing I want to listen to. But I have been reading physical books, which has been really fun. I feel in the mood to do that more than I feel in the mood to listen to an audiobook. I can't remember if I told you about this last week, but it was Sundance in Utah. So I went to a few Sundance films a weekend or two ago. And one of the ones I picked was a Judy Bloom documentary, and I loved it. It was so good. I didn't read Judy Bloom as a kid. And so I've been reading Judy Bloom as an adult. Last year I read Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. And I really enjoyed that. And then this past week, I finished starring Sally J. Friedman as herself, which is Judy Bloom's most autobiographical book. And it's about a little Jewish girl in the 1940s. World War II has just ended. And one of the things she's processing, along with all the other things that you process when you're like, 10 years old is the war that happened and family members that she had killed in it. And it was a very, very interesting perspective on the Holocaust and World War II, and then just a great growing up book. And then I also read otherwise known as Sheila the Great and Super Fudge. And I had not read any of the Fudge books and they are a delight. I totally missed out. So I'm going to be continuing reading some Judy Bloom as well as just finding some other good stuff to read. I'm really excited about this episode. Sometimes I do an episode about something that I've recently done or something that I've had personal experience doing. Sometimes I do an episode because I need to do something, and this one's kind of in the middle. It's about creating a medical directive. I'm in the process of doing that for myself. It's something that I really should have done a long time ago, like when I turned 18, so that I could have made sure that like my medical wishes could be followed if something were to happen to me now that I was a legal adult and my parents wouldn't just be able to make decisions for me. I'm in the process of getting that taken care of. And so for this episode, I interviewed Mindy Rickard, who is a public health worker in Colorado. And one of the things that she is passionate about is helping make sure people have medical directives. So in this episode, you'll learn a little bit about what that is, how to get that started, and the conversations you should be having around it. This would be a great thing to do for yourself in the new year. If you want to do something responsible that's taking care of yourself and just helping make sure that things are going to be okay for you moving forward, this is a really good first step. Hello, Mindy. Thank you so much for joining me. Will you start out by introducing yourself? Sure, I'd be happy to. And thank you so much, Maddie, for inviting me to be on today. My name is Mindy Rickard, and I have a degree in gerontology, which is the psychosocial study of aging. But I've spent most of my career in long-term care, and I've become very passionate about people making sure they have their advanced directives done because I've worked with lots of families and residents of long-term care and know how much of a difference that can make when somebody's facing difficult decisions. So I've been doing this, helping people with advanced care planning for the past six and a half years. And it's my dream job. I have absolutely loved being able to do this. I get to do a lot of presentations and I get to educate people, but I also get to meet one-on-one with people. 
I'm so excited to talk with you today about advanced directives. Over the past few years, I feel like certain things have been hitting me. Like one day I was driving from Logan to my dad's house in Salt Lake area, so about two hours away, and I thought, if I was in a car accident, I don't have any documents that say that my dad can make medical decisions for me. I'm like, I haven't taken care of that. And so I'm in the process of taking care of my advanced directive, but it just seems to me like something that we should probably be talking about a lot more, especially for young adults, that this is something that after you turn 18, you need to make sure that you've put something in place so that people you care about know what you want and also are able to legally help you and take care of you if they need to. That's so true. And I absolutely love that as a young adult, you have identified this and you realize that we're all mortal. I always say that the mortality rate is holding steady at 100%. So we just never know. And sometimes you could be like my dad was and be 99. And that was your time. But Accidents can happen at any time or unexpected health issues. So this is really important because you need to be able to pick who you want to be your person. And you want that person to be able to follow your wishes. And it sounds like your dad, you've already picked the person you would feel most comfortable talking to about your wishes. I always say that Advanced care planning and advanced directives are 80% the conversation. It's really important to have good conversations. And those conversations can happen at any time. They can happen when you're watching a movie. The Hallmark Channel is a perfect place to start those conversations. (laughs) So they can happen when a memory comes up about something that maybe happened in your own family or with a friend. Anytime you can start having those conversations and get an idea of what would be right for you. What does quality of life look like for you? Is quantity of life more important than quality of life? So all of those things are really important conversations to have. Sometimes in our society, we don't like to have them. And a lot of times we don't like to have them when we're young because we're pretty sure that nothing bad ever going to happen to us because we're in our 20s, we're in our 30s, we're in our 40s, but things can happen. And they can be things like just having to go in for surgery. And when you go in for surgery, if you go under anesthesia, you're not able to speak for yourself. So you want to have somebody there that's in your corner and literally steps into your shoes when you're not able to speak for yourself. And in some states, that's called a proxy. So that's a person that is your proxy and the person that speaks for you, that you designate who would speak for you. And in some states, that's a healthcare agent. Before we get too far into the conversation, let's just start out. Will you tell people what an advanced directive is, what it is, what its purpose is, just so that we're starting out with the same base for everyone? Sure. An advanced directive is what I deal with are medical advanced directives. So medical durable power of attorney is the very is the most important document you can have. And that's the document can be very basic. You can download forms on the internet, you can download them from your local health systems. And that's the document that you put down who do you want to be your healthcare agent or your proxy. And usually you can put one primary person and up to two alternates. So if There's a situation where you're in an accident and maybe you're in an accident and 
your primary person is in the car with you, then it would default to your alternate. So the medical durable power of attorney is the most important document that you can have because that tells healthcare providers who is your trusted person. The next form and the one that sometimes people get a little mixed up with between the two is called the living will. And that's an advanced directive for medical and surgical treatment. This is the form where a medical power of attorney might be used multiple times throughout your life. A living will is a document that's only used at the very end of your life. And it talks about what you would want if you were in a terminal condition or a persistent vegetative state and there was no reasonable hope of recovery. And in Colorado, that's a document that at least two doctors have agreed in writing that you meet the criteria. And it talks about how long you would want to receive life-sustaining treatment for or artificial nutrition and hydration. So sometimes that can be a, a little bit of a difficult document for people because I always say that's a little bit more heavy lifting than a medical durable power of attorney. Very often when I deal with folks that are your age, they're much more comfortable just doing a medical durable power of attorney and having those good conversations. But some people do want to do the living will as well. Those are the two main documents that I work with in, in my program. Some other documents that get lumped in there are documents regarding cardiopulmonary resuscitation or CPR and whether or not people would want those. But those are a higher level medical order. And so they need to be signed by a physician. So we touched on this a little bit. But tell me a little bit about why it's important to think about an advanced directive like sooner in your life and what are challenges that can arise if you're like, I'm thinking for me, like someone who is a single adult, what are some challenges that can arise if you haven't put this into writing and you don't have this document? Oh, that's a great question, Maddie. In Colorado, I can tell you that we have something called a proxy by statute law. And that means that if you don't have a medical durable power of attorney, that all the people that might be interested in your care, those could be family, friends, distant relatives, are all brought together. Everybody that says they have an interest in what happens to you are all brought in the same room and they have to vote on who the one person would be to be your healthcare agent under your medical durable power of attorney. I always say, sometimes the loudest person in the room is not the person that you would want to be your healthcare agent. You may have some family dynamics that are challenging and would make it uncomfortable. If you don't, and they can't agree, then it would go to the courts, so it would become a guardianship process. It can get very sticky if you don't have this document. We have a university, Colorado State University is in the same city where I am located. And when I first started my program, the emergency room doctors said, you have to talk about what happens if people don't have medical durable power of attorney. Because I guess college students sometimes do stupid things. And that's what the doctor said. <laughs> And I remember early on in our program, this one emergency room doctor said, yeah, this poor kid came in and he'd climbed up a tree and he'd fallen out of this tree and 
he might have been a little impaired at this point. And his roommates brought him in with a traumatic brain injury. It turned out that his parents had been divorced for many years and remarried to other people. And so there were multiple people that were interested in his outcome. And they didn't all have good relationships with each other. And it was a very difficult decision. And it did end up going to the courts because the young man did have some lasting effects cognitively from his accident, which is really sad, but it's a good way to illustrate why it's so important to just designate who you would want and who you want to have conversations with about your care. Well, and it just really seems like if you don't do this ahead of time, you're left to the mercy of like personalities and other people's relationships and other people's concerns. And doing this ahead of time is one way to eliminate some of the unnecessary aspects of that. It won't always go away, but there's a lot of stress that you can eliminate for people you care about and also stress that could take away from you being prioritized at a time when you should be prioritized. Exactly. When you are able to pick the person that you're most comfortable with, it takes a lot of the stress, takes some guilt and anxiety away from your family members because they know who you've chosen. And I always say there's definitely some personality traits that you want to look for in your healthcare agent. You definitely want somebody that's aligned with your values. So if there are certain treatment things due to your belief system that you would not want. You might not want to choose somebody that has a different belief system or doesn't respect your beliefs. It could be that you you want somebody that's calm in a crisis because this is a person that's actually going to be talking to the doctors. They're going to be making treatment decisions for you. So you want that person to be pretty calm. You also want them to be able to reassure the other people in your life and communicate with them. And definitely you want it to be somebody you can talk to that doesn't say, oh, really? I don't want to talk about that. That's so depressing. Why would that's ew, who wants to talk about bad news or <laughs> negative things? So you want somebody that is on the same wavelength as you are when it comes to talking about stuff. So in thinking about that person, you've provided some really useful things to consider. Can you talk a little bit about how you get this process started? This is the kind of thing that I will realize I need to do and then will delay because it is overwhelming. And so I think that is not unique. So as you're thinking about that, considering who the person is, what has to happen for that person to have the documentation and for things to be put in a way that they'll be honored and respected legally? That's a great question. And it varies throughout the country, which is unfortunate. (laughs) But every state has medical advanced directives. And so you can literally go online. There is one form that's used nationally called Five Wishes. And that is a form that would allow you to, so you can Google Five Wishes and it'll come up. And that's a form that you can actually fill out your medical durable power of attorney and your living will, and it'll all be in one document and you'll, you can answer questions. Don't let the questions overwhelm you. They're not appropriate for everybody, but it's a great way to have the document done. And it even comes with a little like wallet size card. And I always say in this day and age, I tell all of the people that I meet with to help them complete their documents, 
I tell them, take a picture of it on your phone or scan it and send it to the people that you have named to be your agents so that they have a copy of it on their phone. But that is one document you can download and use, and it's respected in, I believe, 49 out of the 50 states. So that's a good universal one. Many of the large health systems do have, if you have one of the patient portals, they'll have an advanced directive form that you can fill out on the patient portal. Your doctor's office may have forms available. Just go in and ask for, do you have an advanced directive forms for our state? And they should be very excited that you want to do this because healthcare providers want this information. They don't want to be talking to the wrong person. They want to be talking to your person. They want to talk to the right people. So healthcare providers would be very excited that you would ask for that especially as a young adult, they would be like, how did you ever hear about this? And I always say whenever somebody gets done, and it doesn't matter if they're 18 or 85, I always say, hey, way to adult today. Way to be an adult. This is a good adulting experience. And honestly, as an adult, you just need some wins. And this is a huge win that you can take care of for yourself that is just like nothing but responsible. Once you check that box off, you can know like I was really responsible. There's another piece to it. As you age, as time passes, what you want to do is make sure that you review what you put down. So if you do this at 18, I do this a lot with lawyers as part of their wellness programs so that I do work with a really wide variety of age groups. And I always tell people, you know, every new decade and age, if you have new experiences, you should review these documents. So when you hit another milestone, it could be every five years or every 10 years, but take them out and look at them. If you have a change, if you have a new person that you want to add to that, you might have a new partner in life and and that is the person that you want to have as your healthcare agent instead of like a parent. So when you're 18, you might go, oh, it's going to be my parents or a sibling but it doesn't have to be a relative. That's another really big understanding that people have. It can be your best friend. If that's the right person, then there's nothing wrong with that. It should be the person that feels right for you. Yeah. (laughs) I picked a really good family friend for my secondary person just because I thought if I'm in a situation where my father can't make a decision because maybe he was in an accident too, odds are really good one of my siblings could also be hurt as well. And so it just seemed really smart to pick someone that was like close to my family that I knew shared our values that I could trust that would just be very unlikely to be incapacitated or injured in a setting where like my dad and I were both injured. Exactly. And you can have situations where somebody is unavailable to make those decisions too. And so that's another reason it'll go to your alternates. So it's good to have good people. And one thing that COVID really taught us is those alternates and the person doesn't have to be geographically close to you because we have learned through all sorts of media that we, we can talk to Providers can do teledoc from anywhere, and we're a lot more connected than we ever were. I actually helped a young man here in Colorado 
that was from Nepal. And he did put down his best friend who he was here with, but he also put his parents down who live in Nepal. And there's one internet cafe in the village that they live in. (laughs) But it was very important to him. And that is the most unusual alternate that I've ever done. That's really comforting, especially for young adults who are like maybe living in a new city or something where like they have friends or like they know people, but not someone that they would want to have making those really deep, important life decisions for them. Exactly. You know, and as people get older, if you're if you're talking to because a lot of people, I just helped someone this morning who was in their 80s who had never gotten this done. So if you have family members that haven't done this, it's really important for everybody to do it. It really surprises me when someone's in their 80s and has a pacemaker and hasn't completed their documents. Wow. (laughs) This would be really important for you. It really important. So we've touched on this a little bit throughout, but what are some of those questions you should be asking yourself when you're preparing this? Like we talked about what you should be asking about the person you're selecting, but what are some of the considerations of like your values or just like high level type care decisions that must be made? Does that question make sense? I know it's unique and personal, but I'm sure there are some good guiding principles and some good questions you have that people can start considering. I encourage everybody that's listening to go to theconversationproject.org, which has the conversation starter guide and download that. It's free. I already mentioned the five wishes. I don't think that is free, but it's very minimal. That will give you like a workbook to go through. And I love the very first question in the conversation starter guide in the conversation project. And that is, what does a good day look like to you? And defining what that looks like. And believe me, I'm a little bit older than you are, Maddie, by a lot. And so my good days at your age looked a lot different than my good days now. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the ones I have now. It just means that as we grow older and we change and our bodies change and we may not be able to do quite the things that we did when we were younger. So a good day might be a bit different. So that's the first question that the conversation starter guide asks is, what does a good day look like? And then defining how much in different situations, how much treatment you would want. For some people, they may say, I want the doctors to do everything possible and no matter what. And there's nothing wrong with that answer. It's a very personal. And others, people say, my family knows I don't want any heroic measures. So talking about those things. And sometimes it can be watching that movie and having that scenario and saying, wow, if I was in that situation... I wouldn't have made that choice. I would make this choice. So those are some really good questions. One of the big questions that's on the conversation starter guide is, if you were at the end of your life, where would you want to be? Would you want to be at home? Or would you want to be somewhere where you were receiving care? That always gets a lot of people talking. And most people will say, oh, of course, I want to be at home. And then you're able to kind of about 
you know, what would that look like if, you know, somebody that you love was having to do personal care for you? It might be really difficult. So looking at that and looking at what would be important to you at the end of life? Would you want your be surrounded by your family? Are you one of those people that would prefer not to have a lot of people there? What would make you comfortable? What would bring you comfort? Would it be having your cat with you? Would it be having my little dog? I had one lady tell me she needed to be at home so she could look out her window and see her horses in the pasture. That would be really important to her. Some people, it's just knowing things are taken care of, knowing that their children would be in a good place, knowing. And that's another piece that gets people that are young and maybe have young families to really think about if something happened to me or my partner, what would happen to the kids and getting that in writing too. So I always throw that in when I'm talking to a little younger audience. It's like, this is a good motivator to start the whole process. So those are some of the things, just thinking about what would bring you comfort at the end of life. I have one video that I show folks and it's on my website. And the one lady said, I would want to be surrounded by my choir and have them sing the songs that we all love to sing. And I think that's just beautiful. And so really thinking about what would be things that would bring you comfort? There's a question in the five wishes about, would you want to be massaged with warm oil? I'm like a hard yes on that, honestly, Maddie. <laughs> and some people are like, no, I would not want that. I'm like, no, that would bring me comfort. <laughs> I just love that there are these questions you can think about for yourself and then have the conversations with the people that are important for you too. Because like you said, like, being cared for in your home, like that does create like tasks that to be taken care of by family members. And so having this conversation can help balance like what's important to you, but also like your relationships, which is different for everyone. But I think for me, those have maybe not equal weight, but they have a, they have an important connection to me that when I think about big questions like this, that I want to take into consideration. It helps for people to think, would I want hospice care? How much help would I want? These are grown-up questions, and they're, they can be really hard. But I really encourage people, don't overthink this. This is a process. And so just think about getting that paperwork done, making sure that you tell the people that you've put on your paperwork that you put them on. <laughs> And having those conversations, but it's not something I always say. It's like going to a pig roast. You don't sit down and eat the whole pig. You just eat a little bit of the pig. <laughs> it just seems like in our conversation that there's so much value to taking care of this as soon as you can and starting it when you're a young adult. So like if something like the unthinkable happens that you do have someone you care about designated and that the process is smoother and then you can revisit it throughout your life milestones and you can revisit it as you age and you're not having to start from scratch when you're 70 or 80. You've always had that in place and it can change as you grow and that makes the process overall less daunting because you don't need to start in your 20s. You don't necessarily need to outline all your end of life stuff yet. You just need to identify that person and then it prepares you as you age to adapt it. Well, and the other nice part of this 
is when you start having these conversations when you're a young adult, it makes it easier. And I always say that this is really changing that concept of how we live at the end of our life. Because once you're having these conversations and you're really talking about it, it becomes a lot more normalized and it becomes much easier to talk about. So we we want people to have these conversations. I have a really good friend who was a critical care nurse and she made this a Thanksgiving tradition. So everybody had to go around the table between the main course and dessert and make sure there were no updates on their advanced directives (laughs) because she had seen so much in her job. And so her kids grew up with it. And then as her grandchildren were growing up, that was just kind of part of, so when they turned 18, they immediately got their directives done because grandma made them talk about it at Thanksgiving every year. (laughs) I love that. And what like a loving thing to do. Like that just that just says to me that she had so much love for her family. She does. And I think that it is, I literally tell people this is the best gift that you can give. Having this conversation around the kitchen table instead of around the ICU bed is the best thing you can do. And I can tell you from personal experience, you can do a lot of planning, but when somebody's faced with things, they may change what their feelings are depending on the situation. And that's okay too. That's why having that person you can talk to and that you can trust is so important. And the thing to remember is these documents only go into effect when you can't make your own decision. So that's why it's important for you to think about these things because you may be the one that's answering these questions. But having the directives and having the conversation is the most important. Is there anything that you think is important or that's come to mind that you haven't had a chance to share yet that you'd like to? No, that's pretty much my spiel. (laughs) It's really important to get this done. It's important to have these good conversations. And it's okay to laugh when you're having these conversations because sometimes it's funny. And I honestly, I do have a slide in my presentation that says that 100% of us are going to die. And it never fails that I get a really big laugh from the crowd because I just put it right out there. It's all going to happen. And we spend so much time thinking about weddings and births and vacations and heck where we're going to go to lunch tomorrow that we need to spend that much time talking about what we would want because once you've had the conversations and this is from somebody that's been a healthcare agent for two parents with dementia it is so much easier when you have the good conversation so I encourage it for everybody as soon as you turn 18 you should get this done. Thank you so much, Mindy. I really appreciate your time and your help. I'm going to put the links that you shared in the show notes so that those will be really easy for listeners to find. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Maddie. It was wonderful to meet you. And thank you again for letting me come and be on your podcast. 
Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much to Mindy for her time. Please rate and review this podcast on Spotify if you're enjoying and please share it on social media. If you do that, I would love if you tag me so that I can see what you're thinking and what you're enjoying. You can find this podcast on Instagram at not a backup plan and you can find me on Twitter at Madeline K. I am so glad you're here. I can't wait to chat with you next time. And remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B.